I always just took it as mountaintop experiences are like our encounters with Christ where we go to retreat and we have that moment that coming to Jesus moment and we want to stay at the retreat like I always did in the context of yeah we want to stay with what's comfortable we want to stay with what feels good but Jesus is like no 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 we got work to do it is time to go don't put no tents up bro we ain't staying overnight this is not that type of situation, right? Like that's for me and it still has that meaning for me and it's still powerful for me and for many of us. We would rather just stay at the event or the workshop or in the program that made us feel good and feel close to Christ, but that's only half the battle. Welcome to another Project Whetstone podcast brought to you by Blaze Ministry 707 which is a Catholic faith-based podcast that is designed to help sharpen and shape your faith by sharing our perspectives of growing up in the 707. Today's episode number three, which is titled Beyond Your Imagination. I'm your boy, Bro Rye, along with Jeremy Mallet and Carlo Terrell, my brothers in the faith. What's going on, fellas? Hi. It's good, bro. <laughs> it's good. Good evening. We are in the first full week. You just finished the first full week, or actually, no, we're about to finish the first full week of the Lenten season. And yeah, how's it? I'm just curious, like, how is your Lenten season going? We know that this is a time where we definitely want to work on that internal work and that interior work, and it is definitely should be more private than it is public. But I'm just curious, kind of like, you know, let's just kick it off with how is your Lenten season going so far? Well, my uh, habits are definitely showing themselves, you know, it's like it, <laughs> I have to be a lot more conscious. Like <laughs> I've already, um, I've already slipped up a couple of times on, on my, on my Lenten observance. So <laughs> would you mind sharing what are some of the things you slipped up on or is it private, private? Oh, no. Well, um, so I gave up uh, sugary things. I, I, I have a huge sweet tooth. And so it's a real, it is a real sacrifice and like, like, um, and it, it's just little things like, um, I finished off the last of the pineapple or, or, uh, I had some sweet and sour sauce with some chicken nuggets <laughs> <laughs> and then, and it, it's, it's extra hard right now. Cause we just went to Costco and, um, my daughter Louisa has been wanting, um, chocolate raisins so we got this big jar of chocolate raisins sitting right there staring me in the face every day all right hold on time out time out so all right so i'm thinking sugary things like refined sugar in in pastries but bro you said pineapple like natural sugar too are you like cutting out the natural sugar too as well yeah yeah um so anything so, sweet even if it's yeah sweet natural. stuff even uh -huh. nature's candy huh wow yep <laughs> Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah, I have a big sweet tooth. So, it's wow. A... You know what's crazy is that earlier in one of the other podcasts, or in our Lenten or Ash Wednesday podcast, we talked about how, like, you know, giving up the sweets or the soda is like good practice for when you're young. But I actually think it's even harder as an adult <laughs> when we think about, you know, giving up and sacrificing those things. So, yeah, maybe it wasn't just practice in elementary and middle school maybe it was like no because when you become older you don't want to be diabetic and you got to take care of yourself or whatever the reason is the health reason is that you need to cut back on on the sugar so yeah how about you brother Hilo? i have to admit i'm uh i think i'm i'm that's i'm in that spectrum of um the practicing catholic that's um just not doing well <laughs> In in the sense that, um, like I have I have four sons, four young sons, and my time is non-existent. Like there is no my time, so there really isn't. Like I haven't. If if there's anything I've given up, it was given up the day I had four sons, and it hasn't come back yet. So, <laughs> so timing wise, it's just I haven't even really had a chance to really, you know, aside from you know not eating meat on, on Fridays and stuff like that. There's, and even that's kind of a challenge, you know, cause if you have, if you have picky eaters, man, it's like, you got to feed your kids one thing and then you got to abstain. And so it's, it's just, it's a big fluff right now of, uh, 
of uh, just trying to just trying to maintain, you know. So, um, and I and I say that like just kind of confidently in the sense that it's like, you know, if um, if you're working on stuff, that doesn't make you a bad Catholic. You know what I'm saying? Like I've hmm. I've had to accept that. Like at at first I felt guilty, and then eventually it was like, you know what? You're trying. You know, you're trying and um that's what matters. So so yeah, that's that's where I'm at lint wise. <laughs> yeah, no, no you Oh go ahead, brother Jay. I was just gonna say you, you make a lot of uh sacrifices as a as a father, especially <laughs> for yeah. four yeah. boys. So yeah. Ooh, yeah. I like that. In in retrospect, right? It's like putting your family first the way you do um, can, you know, consistently has is kind of like, yeah, like a, the, a bigger sacrifice because how many, you know, folks do we know who have families put other things before their kids? Not to say that it's malicious or ill-willed, but, yeah. you know, people yeah. will have like their, well, before COVID, right? People have their gym or their, you know, guys night yeah. out or whatever it is, their their own version of me time. And that was like, you know, again, I think that's part of kind of the root of some of the issues that we see in the domestic church now. And I think the fact that we have, like you said, Rosilo, in the last podcast, you're like, you know, God is faithful. Like Lance is here again, and we're always going to have an opportunity to to try to do better and be better than we were. And I think the awareness, the fact that you can even, you know, be open about that and share that is what God wants, yeah, that's, right? That's, I'm, I'm just going to try to bring the realness because I know, I know that there's, there's, you know, people out there, there's families out there that are just trying to make it work, you yeah. know, and, um, you know, and there might be this, this misconception that, that I had to, that I had to wrestle with, you know, um, that, oh, I'm not, I'm not uh, fully um, practicing you know, and I'm not hitting all the the check boxes when it comes to doing my duty as a as a Catholic. But you know, I, it reminds me of one of the the first uh, confessions I did with a kid. Um, and you know, one of the sins I I told the priest was like, yeah, I didn't. You know, my family didn't go to mass like two weeks ago. You know, and he was like, but you guys are trying. You know, you guys are trying, and that's that's what matters. That's the key. Um, and I find myself in that position again. It's just like, man, there's, you know, I, as much as I recognize and understand um, the beauty of the tradition and the practice. And, you know, just like we were, what we were talking about last week, um, the practicality of, of all the things that, um, you know, fasting, prayer and almsgiving, um, you know, can do for you. Um, sometimes you feel like you're, you're, you're not really hitting the mark. And you're coming up short on those practices. But at the same time, it's like there's that inner struggle of like, but you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, you're taking care of your vocations. And I just wanted to, you know, send a shout out to all the, the people and the families who are struggling, you know, to, to hit all those marks. Um, and just know that, you know, God knows the struggle and and you're doing it. I'm right there with you <laughs> trying to trying to keep up um, with with the responsibilities and um and it's okay i think that's that's the the point i'm trying to make it's okay um even though internally i feel like ah, you know i i you know i want to i want to do better but at the same time there's that part of me that recognizes you're doing okay you know um and uh yeah that's i, I guess that's the, the 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 basic gist of um how i'm feeling about lent or my lent anyway my lenten practice at this point no definitely and, and i appreciate that because i know you know, as you both know, Danielle, my wife has, you know, chronic head, neck and back injury. And there's days where her, you know, her migraines are like full flare. And sometimes she wakes up like just and it's all bad. And she has to like take more medication. And and of course, on Sundays when it's like time to go to mass or just something like that. And, you know, for me, I'm like, all right, let's you know, let's get ready to go. But that's not where she's at. 
And so there's always that, do I go by myself and pray for her there? Or do I stand, you know, stay home and take care and make sure that she's good, right? So, and then there's days where she'll say, just go. Or there's days where I know, like, she needs me by her side, right? So kind of like what right, you're saying, right. but it's like, we do our best. And, and for all of our listeners out there, you know, we're coming at you, you know, we're coming to you all not you know, living these perfect lives, but striving mm-hmm. for perfection. Like <laughs> Brother Jay says, I love yeah. what, you know, Brother Jay says, we're striving for that perfection, but it starts with that awareness of, I know I could be doing better and I'm going to try to do my best and I'm making the best with what I have. Mm-hmm. And I think that, again, there's just, you know, like we said last time, start where you are, right? Start where you're at. So Brother Jay, any any thoughts on that before we, before we get jump started into, uh, this Sunday's readings. Oh yeah. I and mean, uh, everything always comes back to love. God knows we're not perfect. You know, you know, you got to start where you are. The reason why I bring that up is, you know, love never says it's done enough. There's always, it, it always realizes that there's more to be done. You know, uh, we all need to really see ourselves. Yeah. We're not perfect. And God knows that, but we also need to know for ourselves that, you know, there's more, we can do and God will provide this that strength to do that. Beyond your imagination is the title of this podcast. And I'm gonna shoot it over to Brother Jay to kind of just share the theme, okay, the theme of today's readings in responsorial. And then he's gonna kick it off as we do, starting with the first reading. So our, our readings today have a lot to do with faith and teaching us about faith. And so Goodness of God's plan extends far beyond what we can imagine. Therefore, we should trust God completely with all that we are and have, and that is faith. When we trust God, we place everything in his hands and uh, know that God is going to provide for us, be there with us, walk every step of the way with us, and that he knows all of our struggles, all of our apprehensions, all the things that we cling to. He knows it all, but um, what he has waiting for us is even better than what we can hope for for ourselves. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, the first reading is the story of Abraham when he's about ready to sacrifice Isaac. Now, to really understand the story, get the whole of the story, we have to understand uh, the whole story of how Abraham gets Isaac. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, uh, they were already old and they were beyond childbearing years. I mean, he was in a sense, a a chieftain. He had a lot of people under his, under him, a lot of servants and and, uh, slaves. And um, just keep in mind in the ancient world, this was good to be the servant of someone because that means you're in a community, you are protected. This is like much more uh, wild than the wild West (laughs) because we're talking about the ancient world before the UN, before anything about human dignity and anything like that. You know, this is uh, the ancient world. So Abraham, he's a fairly wealthy man. He has a lot of servants, a lot of livestock, wealth, but uh, he had no children. He he didn't have a son. Sarah, by this point, is already beyond childbearing years. The scripture says that Sarah had already stopped menstruating. And then in his old age, God comes to Abraham, basically says to him, "You're you're going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you with numerous descendants and make of you a great nation. He's going along with this, but he's wondering how this is going to happen because he has no children. (laughs) You know, fast forward, he meets these three guys who turn out to be God. (laughs) And because of his his hospitality, they reward him with uh, a child. And they, they say prophetically that, you're going to have a son a year from now. Then they come back later and Isaac is already born. And now come to this point. All that background information is really important because step into Abraham's shoes for a moment. You know, he didn't have a son. Him and his wife had longed for this son for all this time. And then now he finally has one. And then God is now asking him to sacrifice his son. And so you can imagine anyone would be really apprehensive at, at the thought of this. But Abraham being a man of faith, an example of faith. And that's something that in the Catholic tradition, we uh, see him as a model of faith. Abraham is the model of faith in the Old Testament. Mary is is the 
model of faith in, in the New Testament. And so Abraham, with being this exemplar of faith, has this implicit understanding that, you know, God can raise up and, and fulfill his promises, can restore his son to him, uh, that God is the God of life. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, what God asks of him, he'll give it. And so he agrees. That's what, where we come to in this story. Abraham is speaking the true words of faith, here I am. That's um, what you say to God when God calls you, here I am. And you, you just do whatever it is that God asks of you. There's a few things that are missing. If you notice, if you look at the verses, it's verses one to two, and then it skips a, a bunch. And then there's uh, part of verse nine, and then on to 10, uh, 13. And there's a, some parts that are missing. Just to, to clarify for... Uh, for those listening, the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac is a is a rather long story, and you know the the church is is sensitive to that that you know once upon a time liturgies would be all day <laughs> on Sundays. You know what I mean? With the way that the the world is moving and things like that, and the the church in humility does try to you know make it so that it's not a huge endeavor to go to church. Uh, the point being. There's a lot of things missing from the story, but to keep on the theme, the lectionary only includes the, the most salient points. The, the real takeaway here uh, in the first reading is that God is establishing his covenant. Last week, we were talking about the covenant with Noah. Now we're talking about a covenant with Abraham. And the covenant is Abraham will not only have this one son, he'll have descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. And we see that being fulfilled uh, today in the church. What I mean by that is I'm not saying that all the people in the church are biologically children, um, heirs, or you know, uh, descendants of Abraham, but we're descendants of Abraham, spiritually speaking, in faith. You know, Because Abraham had faith, he is an example, and he, in a sense, is a father to those who have that same kind of faith, that same kind of trust, who know God is trustworthy and that you can hand everything you have and are to God. And that's really the at the heart of Abraham's fatherhood. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I, I think uh, when I was, you know, when I think about this story and again, tying into this theme of, you know, God's plan extending far beyond what we can imagine. You know, Abraham has all the the status. He has all the material things. And the fact that Sarah is now having Isaac and she's, like you said, was already beyond her years of conceiving was beyond his imagination. Mm-hmm. And I think imagine what that could feel like when something you don't even expect happens and then you're asked to give it back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And I think there's there's so many times where, you know, we can can relate to having something that we didn't expect and it made us feel really good and it was beyond our own imagination. But they but it was, you know, we got, they asked for it back or we had to give it back. So um, I think, again, just being really intentional about and devoted, because if you if we read on it, at the end or towards the end of this this reading, it says, you know, that we you know, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars in the sky. So when I just when I read that part, I just think about his faithfulness and his willingness to sacrifice his only son, the thing that he wasn't expecting that was beyond his imagination. And he is going to even be blessed more abundantly. And, and for me in this reading, I just really think about the word abundantly and how much are we willing to give God, you know, all that we have or whatever we have, how little we have knowing Mm -hmm. that he's going to provide abundantly. And I think one of the one of the hangups that we have is, you know, like we tend to cling to these things and we don't want to give them to God because there's some um, uh, there's some part missing in our faith that uh, doesn't think that um, or that thinks that God is just going to 
take it from us and keep it for himself, <laughs> you know, but the, then um, that's where uh, the lack of faith comes in because in faith, we know that God is more, much more generous than we can imagine. You know, that God wants to give us, that God loves us so much. And as we'll see in the second reading, he gave us his only son. God is not stingy. <laughs> you know, he's more generous than we can even imagine. It's, it's hard to imagine God being that generous uh, because we kind of concoct of God in ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bro, Silo, any thoughts on this first reading? Uh, a couple things. Um, you know, one of the things, whenever we get to this uh, reading in the cycle of the church, one thing that always stands out is, and it's it's kind of, you know, it kind of translates into, you know, how you could live your life today in today's society um, you know, I'm not sure if, if this is true, but I, I remember, you know, it was said that Abraham was like in his 70s or something, so to speak. And, and the idea was that he was, he, you know, like Jeremy said, he was really old, you know. And if you look at him, um, his background, he's old, he's successful, he has people working underneath him. And the funny part that I always pull from this is that you know, it doesn't matter how old or how successful you are. God's going to call you up to bat, you know, at any point, you know, um, you know, I always joke in my head, Abraham saying, wait, I'm 75 and you want me to do what, you know, you want me to pick up my stuff and go do what, you know, um, <coughs> and, and you know what that kind of translates to me. And we, we talked about this a little bit, you know, last week, um, was how, there's always work to be done. You know how Jeremy mentioned earlier that, you know, love always feels like there's always something left to be done. Um, and I think this is a great example of it, um, that God's going to call you up to do some work. You know, when you think you're done, when you think you've done everything you're supposed to do, when you've fulfilled your success, you fulfilled all your goals. Uh-uh, you're not done yet. You know, there's still be, there's still more to be done. Um, and you could very well be told to, pick up your stuff, pack up and get going to another place where he needs you. Um, but in the same way, and this goes back to, you know, this first reading, um, I've always understood it as God's not going to ask you to do something that he won't do himself. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, touching on the idea that, you know, Isaac was their baby boy. You know, he was literally their miracle from God the miracle baby, um, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, and, and just, you know, spoiler alert, you understand scripture differently at different stages in your life. And what I mean by that is prior to having my own family, the perspective of being a father was something that I wasn't familiar with. You know, um, if you asked me to sacrifice my son's, today heck no you know that's that's how i feel about it um you know there's times where i just imagine just i let myself just imagine just a little bit how life you know how horrible life would be without one of my kids and my heart breaks you know even just giving myself a smidge of that that thought and so what i'm saying is my perspective on being a father has changed my understanding of this because you know you're asking abraham to sacrifice the miracle baby that i'm sure they're you know proud of him they love him um he and his wife are just you know um in awe of their son and you know god's asking you to sacrifice your kid man that's a totally different perspective when you become a father you know when you have your own kids like wait you're you're expecting me to sacrifice my kid and, and, and somehow Abraham, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it might not be obvious in the reading, but I'm sure, you know, Abraham was just like, felt horrible about it. You know, he was probably like, okay, I got to do this. You know, that's how faithful he was. Um, and the next aspect of the reading, and this is probably the parts that, you know, were, were left out was the part where, you know, this is a demonstration of how God's not going to ask you to do something that he won't do himself. You know, and I think that's one of the most powerful parts of, 
of this section of scripture. Um, you know, we're we're taking Abraham all the way up to the altar, you know, with a knife above him, ready to you know finish the the, the job, you know, to slaughter his his son as a sacrifice, um, and he stops him. And when you dissect the scripture, you find, wow, there's a lot of parallels um, as to, you know, how Jesus died and how Isaac was about to be sacrificed. You know, I think Moriah was in the same place that, you know, Jesus was supposed to be crucified. Um, in one section of the reading, it talks about a ram, you know, caught in a thicket bush, which if you know what a thicket is, it's a bunch of thorns, a.k.a., a, you know, a crown of thorns. Um, when you think about, you know, they mentioned the wood on the altar, um, and that's what he was going to be sacrificed on, a.k.a., you know, Jesus was sacrificed on the wood of the cross. Um, and when I realized, like, you know, what God asked Abraham to do wasn't short of anything that he would have done for us, it just goes to show that, um, you know, going back to covenant and going back to the idea of, of beyond imagination— um, you know, you give it up to God. He's not going to ask you to do something he won't do himself. And he will go to the moon for you and back and beyond what you could imagine, um, when he asks you to do something. Um, and I, and I have to say, I've, I've had personal experience in that, you know, when you give up something that you truly love and you think you've lost. And then years later you figure out, man, I won so much more by losing that one thing than if I held on to it. You know, I, w I would have, all these amazing things happened after I gave up that one thing. Um, and, and, you know, I'll go into that down the road, but, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's in, in that short reading, it's like, it just demonstrates to you like God is going to do, what he asked you to do and some and even more and you just got to take that risk and you'll find in the end like oh man he's he's basically multiplied what i sacrificed you know he's taken that one loaf of bread and he's made it into a hundred loaves um and and it's just it's amazing that at the beginning of the story of of our salvation history you know he'd, he'd already showed us that this is what we're going to do this is how it's going to be done and and what i love is that being that this is the second Sunday of Lent and this is our time of prayer, fasting and almsgiving, I'm going to throw it back out to our listeners out there. You know, what holds you back from really taking that leap of faith and, and really trusting and giving everything back to God or giving everything up for God? And it doesn't mean like to the extreme of giving up your children, but I look at it as like, what are the things that you love the most of the world what are the vices that you have right now that you just are having a hard time letting go of and i think that this first reading is a reminder like let it go be willing to give it up it doesn't mean that you're gonna have like not have it anymore but maybe there's something better for you but we'll never know if we don't take that leap if we don't take that next step speaking of steps actually takes us to the responsorial psalm. If you want to take us through that, Jay. So our response is, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Uh, to walk before the Lord, as in, that is, to walk in his presence. And that's always been a kind of a euphemism for being holy, being righteous. You know, Adam, before the fall, is, is said that he walked with God. And that was, that's kind of like the primordial prayer is just walking and it's, it's almost contemplative sounding. It's before you even speak, holiness is just walking with God, meaning your life takes a tra trajectory where it's, you're just naturally doing what God wants you to do, you know, doing what you were made for, which is to love and to be loved. And if we stay in God's presence, if we walk with God, he'll take us to the land of the living, which again, is a, a, another euphemism for, for heaven, where we become fully alive. If you think you're alive now, wait till heaven. <laughs> That's where we're perfected in, in our being. And, and, and so we walk this path, and, and we have this 
faith in God because we know where we're going to end up. We don't know it completely. We don't, you know, we, we don't see it, you know, as St. Paul says, we don't see clearly, we see dimly as in a mirror that one day we will see God face to face, and but we need to walk with him here and now, uh, have this faith. And even from the first verse of this response, I believed even when I said, I am greatly afflicted, you know, to have that faith, even when things are tough, to have that confidence that God is, and the word confident means with faith, confides, with faith. When we walk with God and we have that confidence in God to, it relies on a certain knowledge of who God is, you know, that God is not going to uh, disappoint, that he doesn't use us in that negative sense that God won't force himself on us. You know, he doesn't force uh, himself. He doesn't force life upon us. He doesn't force holiness on us. We have to choose it. But if we do choose it, this is what's waiting for us. Uh, beatitude, which is a happiness beyond what we can imagine. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I remember one of the things I remember hearing from a Catholic answer. I think it might have been Trent Horn who who mentioned he was, I think he was having a debate someone with someone about suffering um and he had mentioned that you know who better to offer you a spot in eternal paradise you know to be the one to ask you to sacrifice something here on earth temporarily you know like there's there's an amount of suffering that you're going to experience here if, if you, you know, if you carry the cross and you pick it up. Um, but man, you're, you're being asked to do that by someone who could grant you, you know, paradise for the rest of your existence when you go to heaven. I thought, Oh man, that's, that's interesting. And, and tying it into to what you're, you know, you know, what the responsorial Psalm is saying um, is just, you know, a heads up that hey this is this is what's waiting for you you know um you know when you mentioned beatitudes happiness beyond you know what you can understand and what you could imagine i mean um you know even even in just the little things i've experienced in my short time you know by living faith and and you know um you know my family has gone through some stuff in the past 4 years but you know, my, my son actually mentioned the other day, he was like, Dad, you know, I wish that thing never happened to us because then, you know, we'd still be living there. We'd still be, we still have this. We'd still be able to do this. And I explained to him, like, you know, I'm I'm glad that that thing happened to us um, because if that thing had never happened to us, all these amazing things that we got to experience after that incident would have never happened. You know, there wouldn't have been an opportunity um, to experience all those things because none of that would have been possible if if that one sacrifice um, had not occurred. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think there's there's probably um, you know a, a lot of families out there that can you know testify to that and witness to that that once they they gave it up to to the Holy Spirit, you know, and let God do the work then all of a sudden things start falling in place and things are making so much more sense and your the plan is so much better than what you planned for yourself um and uh i i think that's what it's uh giving us a heads up about mm-hmm. yes y'all and again this responsorial is just a reminder to walk by faith and not by sight so as we're we're tying everything back into just beyond our imagination, are you willing to to really, you know, give God everything you have, your worldly desires, the things that you, you know, you value the most? Are you willing to sacrifice it? And are you willing to allow God to abundantly show up for you or abundantly provide for you? But it's going to take some work, like Brother Carla was saying, and we're going to have to really do the work be willing to to put ourselves out there, be willing to to make the change. And, and as he, you know, everyone's been sharing, you know, we're all going through our different changes. We've all made our sacrifices. I can say one thing for sure right now is that all three of us have left 
you know, and have sacrificed the comfort, the comfort. of our home base, <laughs> right? The comfort of our home community from which we were raised, which we were born, the, the Vallejo 707. And I know each of us, there's probably things that we miss about our town and miss Bud's about burgers. our Bud's Burgers. Yes, on Sonoma, <laughs> for sure, that Mega Burger special. Mm. But again, we are not called to be comfortable Mm. We were made for greatness. So moving on to the second reading, the second reading coming from the book of Romans, chapter eight, verses 31 through 34. Jay, take it away. All right. So we have a letter from St. Paul to the Romans, and uh, many consider this their favorite letter uh, from Paul because there are many moments where he goes into sort of poetic flourishes and here we kind of we we kind of see that just a few verses before this he talks about how god works all things for our good and then so he goes on and explains that and expands on that idea that even tribulations and things like that can be worked through god's power for his glory and our benefit expanding on this he uses these rhetorical questions they're meant to be obvious but i'm going to kind of give the obvious answer as we as we read the question so if god is for us who can be against us nobody he did not spare his own son handed him over for us all how will he not also give us everything else along with him of course god is going to give us everything with him he gave us his own son who can bring who will bring a charge against god's chosen ones if god acquits us who will who will condemn again no one so all these rhetorical questions are just is just to say that you know, if God is for us, if God is doing all these things for us, you know, what are we, what are we worried about? What are we, what are we um, anxious or fretting about if God is doing all these things for us? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, as we were looking at these readings, the thought came to mind is, you know, God, like you said, God wants to give us everything does not mean he wants to give us everything we want. And I think that's something that's really important as, as Christians, as believers is, you know, there's a lot of things that we want and God wants to give you everything, right? And in everything in the context of he wants to give you true joy. He wants to give you you know, a life everlasting. He wants to give you heaven on earth. But I think a lot of times our our human nature, right, take will process that and say, well, how come I don't have everything? How come I don't have the things I want? How come I'm living the way I'm living? Why am I going through what I'm going through? How come I don't have the things that I have? And and I, I love this this reading because it's just a reminder, right? Brothers and sisters, if God is for us, then who could be against us? He did not spare his own son, but handed him over for all of us. And it goes because he wants to give us everything, not everything we want. Right. So that's just something that that's been coming up for me when I've been thinking about this readings. Any thoughts on that? I think, you know, one of the one of the hangups, especially for readings like this, um, you know, just just from what I've come to understand is that it's really difficult to understand what this really means if you're not already inside the church. And what I mean by that, you know, one of the analogies I used before um, when I was teaching was that when you're on the outside of a church and you look at the windows, you just see some weird colored windows. Um, But when you get inside the church and you let the sunlight shine through those, you know, stained glass windows then you start seeing the true beauty of the art on those windows versus when you're on the outside um you just see some messed up glass you know um and what i mean by that is that when you look at this reading and you look at these words um especially when you're you're young and you're a kid and you don't get a chance to experience a lot of stuff. And and I'm not that old, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm by no means a wise man of many years. Like I'm, I'm fairly young still, and I haven't experienced a lot. Um, but what I want to, sh- 
you know, point out to, to our listeners is that part of understanding this specific reading sometimes is um, being on the other side of, of something difficult. You know, when you find something that's almost like a brick wall in your life, um, it makes so much more sense. This reading makes so much more sense when you get to the other side of that brick wall. Um, because, you know, when you're, when you're in a happy place, you can't really understand, um, how powerful, uh, you know, God is when he changes things, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, if you've never really experienced hardship or you're stuck in the middle of hardship, like, yeah, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of things that can be against us. Um, but when you get to the other side and you come out, you know, and, and everything has revealed itself, um, it starts making sense. Like, dude, there's nothing that, that God can't overcome for you, you know? Um, and, and so it's, I, I guess I'm mentioning that because it, it might be one of those situations, depending on where you're at in life, that this doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, you know, like Brother Jeremy says, this is very obvious, but the depth of what it really means might not make sense until you actually go through some stuff in life. Um, and, and that's one of the things I, you know, I could see if if you're a 15-year-old and life's been good, you haven't gone through anything, you read this and you're just like, okay, you know, but that's that's great. You know, what does that mean, you know? But when you're in your 50s and your 60s and you've seen the fruits of, you know, your sacrifice, you've seen how you've come out on the other side of, of something that was really difficult in life. And you see how, man, God really just multiplied, um, you know, everything that I sacrificed and gave it back to me, like we were talking about in the previous reading. Um, then this reading has so much more meaning um, after you've gone through something like that. Man, and I know I'm probably way left field, but when I was thinking about this as you were sharing, bro, CeeLo, it was like, you know, Danielle and I, we were at youth ministry, we were part of, we were leading the youth ministry at Our Lady of Mount Carmel for 10 plus years. And yes, there were so many ups and downs and struggles, but there's so many joys and, and all of the the feels. And we were talking about it just recently and we we're like, what if we never served? Like, what would our life look like? And parts of us feels like Sarah and Abraham to an extent, because together we don't have a child, but together we have a child, right? Together, biologically, we don't have a child, and but we were given children. And, of course, we have our, our daughter, Brianna Janae, um, and I think about just, like, our time in ministry and how we went through our life as a married couple and all of our ups and downs, but our service and not just our service to the youth ministry, but our involvement in the parish. And then as you know, both of you know, some of the hardest times in our lives, we, we leaned on God even more. We leaned on those prayers even more. We leaned on those prayer warriors even more. And we thought to ourselves, what if we didn't have any of that? What would our life be like? And then we even took it a step further to Think about those who don't even have a relationship with God, those who struggle or wrestle with God, who are going in their day by day without any type of belief for that matter. And it was just like, I couldn't even, we couldn't even imagine it. We couldn't even imagine yeah. it. So, so I know this is probably a little left field of where Jay, where Jay started with this, this reading, but it just really, is that reminder of like, yeah, God, you know, and I look at that last word, right? Who in who indeed intercedes for us. Yeah. I wanted to add that. Um, you know, when I think about the stuff we've been through as a family, for my family in particular, I could see how horrible it wouldn't have, or how horrible it would have been if I looked at it in the lens of, man, life's just messed up, you know, life's just unfair. There's some bad people out there and that's just the end of it, you know, versus the perspective and the lens of, 
God's allowing this to happen and he's going to use this to do something good. Totally, you know, different way of dealing with things. You know, like if you're on the one hand where it's like God doesn't exist, suffering is just suffering because the world sucks. Man, that's a horrible place to be. And I could, I could imagine, you know, one of my coworkers when, um, when I lost my job, you know, and he knew it was wrong that I got, you know, wrongfully terminated. He knew that, you know, it was totally messed up. He was like, bro, I don't know how you're not going crazy right now. You know, if I was you, I'd be doing some stuff. And I'm like, that's just not how I am, bro. You know, I, I believe that there's a reason for this. He was like, wow, okay, because I, I don't know how you're so calm about it. I mean, I was torn up. But again, I was approaching it from the perspective of, you know, who indeed intercedes for us, you know, just like that last part of that verse, like there's a reason for it. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's what this, this reading just touches upon. It's like, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a telescope, you know, or, or a lens on how to see things. Like either you could see things that God's not doing anything for you, or you could see it as in he's interceding for you right now, even though if it doesn't feel like it, you know, um, and that could totally change how you behave and how you approach the difficulties in life. And that's that's one of the things I'm grateful for, for, um, you know, being initiated into faith is that, OK, I get to see things in a way where there's a lot more hope versus where it's just dark and despair and this world sucks and good luck to you. You know, nope, it's you know, I see it as you hit a brick wall. God's trying to redirect you. He's going to put you where you need to be. Just stay faithful to stay the course and he's going to, you know, set you up where you need to be set up, you know, versus the the other end. Yeah. And, and again, right. Going back to the title of this podcast, beyond your imagination and what God is doing in our lives is beyond our imagination. Because if you would have told us a year ago, two years ago that we would be where we are. I mean, for me, six months ago, <laughs> I'm out here across the country, you know, um, or even a few months ago, here we are collaborating on a podcast, right? Just all things new. Like, Jer, you know, Jer always, when we did that retreat for that staff retreat for St. Basil's, I remember the theme was, you know, um, came one of the themes came from Isaiah 43, right? God is doing something new. And I remember that time we served mm. together and you you shared your reflection on that scripture alone. And I've like always held that with me every time there's a new year, every, you know, cause like you were saying, it could be the same job for the same, you know, 20 years, but every year mm-hmm. it's good. There's going to be something new, even if it's in the same space, in the same position, there's going to be something new, new students, new rules, new, you know, events, new, all new. And I'm like, what if we took that? that mindset of what if we took that idea and looked at that not even just in our yearly and annual lives, but like monthly, weekly, even daily. And God is doing something new. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm super pumped for, for all of that now, which takes us to our gospel reading for the second Sunday of Lent, which is from the book of Mark. Chapter 9, verse 2 through 10. All right, so this is the the story of the transfiguration, the fourth luminous mystery of, of the rosary. Uh, it's one that's a, uh, spoken of in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's the story where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain, and he's transfigured. His appearance changes, his clothes become dazzling white. And he appears with Elijah and Moses. What's significant about Elijah and Moses, before Jesus, Moses was the man. Moses was to the Jews what Jesus is to us. He's the one responsible for the law. And notice that this is taking place on a mountain, high up on a mountain. Moses was that mediator who constantly went up Mount Horeb, God's holy mountain. And that's where Moses received the Ten Commandments, the two tablets of the Ten Commandments and was constantly going back and forth between God and his people. He was the mediator, and he was the lawgiver, the the leader of the Israelite people. Elijah, who is considered the greatest of the prophets, 
he also had a mountain experience where he traveled you know, after his apparently failed prophetic mission. He felt like he failed and he was, he, he, he was the one that was out in the wilderness and just basically said, God, I failed. I don't want to do this anymore. You can take me now. I'm just going to lay down here and die. <laughs> but then uh, God sent an angel, gave him, gives him bread and water and says, take and eat uh, for the journey. And then um, uh, he, so he takes and eats and then he travels 40 days uh, to the mountain of God. And there he has this experience of the windstorm. There's the earthquake, all these calamities, calamitous things happening. Uh, then there's a small whisper. Elijah witnesses the trail of God's garment as it as he passes by in God's presence. So the, these are two figures who have these mountaintop experiences who are very close to God and actually see God. And here we have Jesus who appears with these two. Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. And that's a big theme in Jewish faith is the law and the prophets. What we're supposed to see here is is that Jesus is is being handed the baton of uh, being the lawgiver and the leader, but also in, in theological circles, we call it the eschatological prophet, the prophet of the last day, meaning that Jesus is the, the fulfillment of all the things that the, prof, the prophets spoke about. And so we have these two figures, these two really huge figures in, in the Old Testament. Moses mentioned that there would be another prophet like him, Elijah, he was the one that was taken up by fiery chariots, and it was said that he would return. What this is basically saying is Jesus is the prophet like Moses, and Jesus is also Elijah's return. This is the moment, uh, and this is all pointing to Jesus. <clears throat> and so Peter, a good Jewish man, would have at least known about these things. He, he wasn't as learned as, you know, like a scribe of the law, but being a Jewish person, he would have been going to the synagogues and hearing, um, hearing the scriptures being read and it being explained by the various scribes and, and people at, at the temple. And so when he realizes what's going on, he's at a loss for words, literally. He, he said he, he didn't, he hardly knew what to say as it says there in scripture, because this was so exciting to him. Elijah, the ultimate prophet, and Moses is here talking to Jesus, and he's seeing this happening. And so he says, let's make three tents. This was his mountaintop experience. He's, he's basically here with these, these three heroes of faith who are confirming Jesus as the, the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament. So this is definitely a, a high point, not quite the climax. Of course, the Crucifixion and resurrection is, will be the climax of the gospel, but this is definitely a crystallizing moment for the buildup of what's what's to come. Peter, you know, he thinks that this is this is the end of the road, and th that's why I say let's make three tents. This is everything. This is everything that we want as a people. You know, if people just see Moses and Elijah here with Jesus, you know, our job is done. <laughs> like this is heaven right now. But Jesus says, no, we have more work to do. We have to go. Once Peter expresses this, everything is gone except Jesus is then alone with them. And then they come back down from the mountain to continue the rest of the, their ministry. This was their mountaintop moment. You know, we have those, these mountaintop moments where we want to just stay there. If we could just die right now, everything would be good. But no, there's, there's more. Even this, this little glimpse of heaven, of the fulfillment of the, of the promise was enough for Peter. But, but God is basically saying, no, there's more I'm going to give you. You're not ready yet. <laughs> yeah, Jay. First, I just want to just say how much I appreciate, you know, you bringing like full context and to what we're reading here. Because, again, many of us will read this or listen to this reading at mass and go, OK, we know Elijah was important. We know Moses was important. But like, I love how you're bringing the fold of why specifically and what specifically these two represent on the mountaintop, mm -hmm. right? One representing the law, one representing the prophets. And, I, you know, again, just bringing full context. So to all of our listeners out there, I know for myself as, as a theology student in the making, theologian in the making, this is my, my study buddy right here. And, 
you know, I love just having the opportunity to like re-listen to or, or just re-hear what Brother Jay has to say, because if you didn't catch kind of this, not just the symbolism, but the power behind all of what he just shared about who was on the mountain, why was it on the mountain in the context of a mountain, then you got to hear rewind and, and listen to that one more time and just like take it and like Brother Carlo and I would say, just gnaw on that bad boy. Just like, just, just let, just gnaw on it and just take time with it because this this reading of the you know transfiguration and i know for myself i always just took it as mountaintop experiences are like our encounters with christ where we go to retreat and we have that moment that coming to jesus moment and we want to stay at the retreat like i always use it in the context of yeah we want to stay with what's comfortable we want to stay with what feels good but jesus is like no 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 we got work to do it is time to go don't put no tents up bro we ain't staying overnight <laughs> this is not that type of situation right like that's for me and it still has that meaning for me and it's still powerful for me and for many of us we would rather just stay at the event or the thing or the workshop or or in the program that made us feel good and feel close to Christ but that's only half the battle it's actually going down the mountain and coming down from mountain and running the play is what I've always taken away from this reading but you've just like really opened my eyes to even a deeper meaning of why the mountaintop why specifically these two on the mountaintop and so now it makes me even curious about chariots firing chariots in the air what was what's happening here right like all the, the 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 ways that you have just like are dissecting this for us on that theological level is important because again blaze ministry 707 we are here to help shape and sharpen mm-hmm. right that's what the whetstone project is about shape and sharpen so if you're listening and you made it even this far on the podcast is because there is something deeper there is deeper truth that you're looking for, that we're looking for, that I'm looking for. And if we're seeking that, I think just, again, just listening to to Jay's breakdown of why, who, where, and like the who, what, where, what, why, like, and just bringing that into the fold and mind blown. So definitely appreciate you for that. So, so yeah, come down from the mountain, y'all come down from the mountain. If, and if you're not, and if you haven't even had that mountaintop experience and you're probably thinking like, what tap into your local parish, tap into your local, you know, um, yeah, locals pay local parish, see what's going on get involved. You know, there's so many things out there that we can tap into where we can have that mountaintop experience, but we got to be open to that. You know, we got to be open to that. Uh, amazing i mean you just painted a picture like while you're explaining i'm thinking oh so what you're saying is captain america and iron man showed up and then they're like all right spider-man you know it's you you know it's your turn like and and all the people (laughs) were like peter was like wait the head of the avengers is here for the you know (laughs) basically that's all i saw but yeah that's 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 mm-hmm. you know I never thought of it that way and you know hearing that I was like yeah oh okay now I get why he was terrified he was like wait you know <laughs> um, but yeah just just touching on what Ryan said I think that's um, one of the challenges that um, we as Christians face and it's probably something we're gonna face repeatedly in that you know the the whole tent setup you know. Um, human nature dictates that we want to stay comfortable. We want to be comfortable and we want to just, you know, stake our claim and, and stay there. Um, but I think this is, you know, uh, just an outright example of, of God showing us through scripture that, you know, even though it's, you're having a great time, this is not necessarily where I need you to stay. You know, this isn't the work. This isn't the work that needs to be done, you know. Um, and because um, I, I like to think of myself as as a Catholic that leans heavily on, um, you know, doing work for for the people around me, you know, for my brothers and sisters, you know, whether they're believers or not. Um, and I think this is, you know, God's call to action. Like, OK, I showed you who I am. Um now you see how amazing I am, but I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna blow up the world with my power. I need you to get out there 
and go and do some work. I need you to use your talents and your gifts, whatever that may be. If you're in music, I need you to make music that, you know, changes hearts and minds to bring them closer to me. If you're in finance, I need you to come up with some money so that the church can do something great with that money. If you're in medicine, I need you to go out there and be the, you know, the the eyes and the the mouth that speaks to to the people in need like Jesus would. You know, it's 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 time for you to take your blessings and bring them down from the mountaintop and get to work down below, you know, where, where the, the work needs to be done, where the need is plenty. Um, and, and that's one of the things I've always gotten out of this. Um, you know, I'll admit that this makes me a little anxious at times when life is going good, you know, but anxious in the sense that, man, I, mm, I'm enjoying myself. You know, I want to stay here, but I know it's time to move and, and go and do some work. And, and I think for the three of us, I could say this confidently in that I think all three of us have experienced that thing where, you know, like we mentioned before, we've left our comfort zone. You know, we've left um, where we were comfortable, where we knew everyone's name, where we can go to mass and see uncles and aunties that we grew up with, with friends, cousins, and old classmates that now have their own families. And it's really nice to be able to see that. Um, but I guess the message that, you know, I want to push is that it's okay to say yes to leaving that comfort and going somewhere where God needs you. Um, Cause I feel like, you know, Rye being in South Carolina, you know, the Mallets being in, in Eureka and, and us being in Fresno, um, we've all had a chance to play a small role in God's plan being in this area, you know, wherever we're at. Um, and so I would encourage anyone who feels like they're being called to make a move because they feel like God's calling them to do so, um, to have faith in that and to be open to that and know that as uncertain and unsure as you can be, God is a hundred times more certain and more sure that you're meant to do what you're supposed to do for him wherever you're meant to do it. You know, um, that's, that's what I take away from this. It's like, um, don't be afraid to get up and go. You know, I always talk about the, 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 the apostle experience with, with you guys, you know, like, you know, after, uh, after Pentecost, okay, you guys pair up, walk in that direction 500 miles um don't take anything with you but i promise you when you go there there's going to be something for you there you know and then get the work done and you know now we went from 12 to you know the catholic church is present all over the world in some of the most remote parts of the world and that all started from you know the voice telling you get up take your stuff and go and i think that's just you know, that's, that's the destiny of, of any of us Christians and Catholics to, um, to be able to go wherever God and the spirit is moving us to go. And just a word on, uh, Abraham, you know, he's, he's an exemplar of faith. And the other, the other thing that we credit him for being an example of faith was not just the willingness to, to give back his son to God, but also that, God led him to a place that he didn't know. He left the land of his fathers to go to a, a land that God pointed out to him that he didn't know that was foreign to him. You know, and this definitely takes a lot. And, um, you know, and again, just talking about the ancient world, that takes a lot of courage to go somewhere that <laughs> you don't know. You could be walking into a civilization of, you know, cannibals or whatever, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but you know that was um that was abraham he he just said uh, god told him he went <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and i think um if if you're thinking if you're listening to us right now and you're thinking god is telling you to like leave a lot of things that are important to you and you feel that in your heart there's probably something to it you know, there probably is something to it. Um, and we pray that, you know, you, you heed that voice and you accept that grace and you take that chance. You know, you really just take that chance and get up and go, you know. Um, 
and uh don't be afraid don't be afraid yeah i can i you know i just sit here and i'm listening and i'm thinking like wow looking at all of our lives again beyond all of our imaginations and so for our listeners god has something for you it's going to be beyond your imagination imagine what that what that is like you can imagine the greatest greatest thing but god is going to go even beyond that and so just to kind of like wrap things up here in the first first reading right the takeaway is are you willing to sacrifice the most important things for god at his call with complete trust and faith the responsorial reminds us to walk by faith and not by sight and the the third or the second reading reminds us that you know, that God wants to give us everything. But then the gospel reminds us, but that isn't everything we want, like staying on top of the mountain with the tent. That means going back down the mountain to do the work, right? So I'm loving the journey that these readings take us on on the second Sunday of Lent in those themes. So find yourself in these readings. Where is God speaking to you? And and just some final thoughts for a reflection um, that Jay, you know, shared with us that that faith is not simply a knowledge of God, but it is lived knowledge ending with a personal trust, just like Abraham. So the question we have for you is, in what ways is your personal faith in God imperfect? What ways is your personal faith in God imperfect and and sometimes a mistaken understanding of who God is leads us to expect certain behaviors and actions from God but do I expect do you expect things from God that you shouldn't has there been times where God has surprised you with more than you could imagine So as we get ready to wrap up episode number three, Beyond Your Imagination, we are so excited that you're with us on this journey. Thank you for your support of the podcast. Be sure to share the podcast, rate the podcast. Again, this is designed specifically to and intentionally to help shape and sharpen your faith by us sharing our knowledge and experience of the catholic faith of our experience with all the studies that we've done so again we are really 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 thankful for each and every one of you so please remember to continue to pray for us because we will always be praying for you peace (laughs) y'all have a good one